0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, this is a really uh, exciting moment for Sammy and me because Uh, well, for a number of reasons, for two particular reasons. The first is that it was 22 years ago today, spitting distance from where I'm standing now, that we launched 24-7 prayer in uh, Bojangles nightclub. Anyone remember Bojangles? Uh, For the sake of all humanity, it has been knocked down, and uh, this is a good thing. Uh, But uh, we, we, we launched that at the time the, the wildest thing we could imagine was that perhaps we might be about to fill the whole of the year 2000 uh, with non-stop prayer and you may go yeah big deal but back then you had to go to South Korea or Argentina to see night and day prayer it was unthinkable in England uh, so a, a few crazy people would have the odd half night of prayer or even a night of prayer but again and again it's unthinkable and, and then God just did immeasurably more than all we could ask or think. I remember a big red moon rose above the nightclub that night. That gave the name to the book I wrote about it. And then um, I remember I was in the car park afterwards. And a Venezuelan American man literally handed me a fistful of dollars. Uh, and said, this is for what God is beginning to do. It felt like a drug deal, but uh, it wasn't. And that was the first money that we were, we were ever given. And uh, from there, God's done immeasurably more than all we could have asked or imagined. And here we are approaching our quarter century of night and day prayer in more than half the nations on earth, having given birth to endless ministries uh, all around the world, uh, from, from you know prayer spaces in schools through to Lectio 365, and the prayer course, and uh, 56 different communities, houses of prayer all around the world, another 30 who are on their way in right now, uh, the renewal of the religious order, the order of the mustard seed, uh, it goes on and on and on. Uh, God has done so much, and I'm, I'm often described as the bewildered founder of 24-7 Prayer, and I've now added to my bio, I am the increasingly bewildered uh, because it's it's going wilder now than ever before and that is part of our legacy and history and something I believe that we need to be really proud of and celebrate as a church here in in Guildford and uh, so uh, I don't know maybe one day we'll get us a blue plaque or something on the estate agent or whether they're going to build on that site. That's the first reason I'm excited today. The second reason is that during lockdown, uh, as Bill's just said, I, I, I wrote a book and, uh, entitled How, How to Hear God, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And um, it was really difficult. In fact, out of all the books I've written, this was easily the hardest uh, that I've ever had to write. Uh, and that book comes out on March the 3rd. And I don't know who managed to do it. I, I, they must have robbed an Amazon van at, at gunpoint. But we seem to have books here. They are not available yet anywhere in the world. Genuinely, you can't get them on Amazon if you pre-order today. Those of you watching online, uh, do feel free to pre-order. But you ain't going to get them for uh, almost another two weeks. But here, Emmaus Road Church family, literally exclusively, nowhere else. You, you can get your copy here today. So uh, I, was, I was just... Pretty, I, I almost fell over when I came up the stairs and saw them. And whoever did that, amazing, well done, I trust it was legal. So uh, so it's an exciting day. I said it was a difficult book to write, and uh, that was really for two reasons. I kind of went into it thinking it would be pretty straightforward. Written a book on, uh, about prayer, how to pray, and I thought, well, it's a natural follow-up, how to hear God. It's the other side of the conversation. And then as I got into it, I realized increasingly that this is without exaggeration, the most important thing you will ever learn to do, to hear God. And yet at the same time, it is one of the most painful and confusing and difficult things uh, for all of us. Um, Who hasn't cried out to God for guidance and he just doesn't seem to have answered? Who amongst us hasn't been infuriated by so-called prophets trying to manipulate elections and claiming that it's the voice of God? Who hasn't been hurt by the misappropriation of God's word from the lips of a controlling parent or a cocksure preacher or a troubled soul like the the dear lady who greeted me at the end of church one day, not this one, and said that God had commanded her to marry me? It is confusing this stuff isn't it So let's turn to John chapter 10 verse 27 John 10:27 the words of Jesus he says this my sheep listen to my voice i know them and they follow me let's read that again my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me. So simple. At the heart of the Christian life, at the heart of being a friend of Jesus, at the heart of discipleship, as we think about Safar, the number one thing according to Jesus is learning to listen to his voice. Everything else is secondary. And then you listen and obey. That's it. The, the, the word in Greek there, the translated as listen, is, uh, let me get this right, akouo, akouo. It is the word we get acoustics from. And so this is not just listening kind of in some broad way, but it's listening for the nuance and the tone, getting to recognize the voice of God. And we're all on that journey together. There are people in this room who are amazing at hearing the voice of God. Bill is far better at hearing the voice of God than me. I cheat. I often go to him and say, any sense of what the Lord might be saying? I, I Sometimes I'm like a breeze block. I just miss it completely. Uh, And others of us, we may be very new to faith, not even sure if we believe in God. And this talk about hearing God sounds fascinating, but a little bit scary and weird as well. And because listening to Jesus is the absolute heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a Christian... Uh, if you hang around Christians, you hear them talking like this all the time. They say, oh, God said this to me, or, um, you know, the Lord just said something else. And as if it's the most normal thing in the world, which, of course, in many ways we're going to see it is. But try those lines on your doctor. I'm hearing the voice of Jesus. (laughs) Or try it on in a court of law. God told me to do it, your honour. And they'll medicate you or lock you up faster than you can shout hallelujah. And so we live in a culture that tends to assume that if people hear the voice of God, they're nutters. And obviously we need to recognize that religious psychosis is a thing. It's a genuine illness. that Some people get very, very confused. But what we mustn't give over is this central aspect of Christian faith shared by 2 billion people all around the world today which is that to have a real relationship with God means not just talking to him or at him, but listening to him and knowing his voice. And so, uh, you know, we we need to be confident in that, not just because Jesus says that that's the key, but also because history attests to that. Many of the greatest men and women who have ever lived have unashamedly talked about the fact that they heard Or hear the voice of God. And one of the great fun things in this book is I get to tell some of their stories. Some of them you'll have heard of. They're super famous people like Augustine of Hippo. But some of them you won't have heard of. And uh, just extraordinary stories of world changers who heard the voice of God. Take George Washington Carver. Often described as the African-American father of modern agriculture. He used to go for a walk in creation every morning and he said, God spoke to me every day. And then he'd come back to his laboratory that he called God's Workshop. And the things that had come into his head as he was praying and talking with the Lord, he would then outwork in the laboratory. And uh, he uh, um, uh, came up, for example, with over 300 uses for the peanut. 300 uses for a peanut. And uh, he would say that God inspired him. And you say, what's the big deal? The big deal is this, that they reckon George Washington Carver lifted hundreds of thousands of people out of poverty. Because they were able to suddenly farm peanuts, and he got a Congre- congressional medal of honor, and you know he was—I uh, I think the first non-president to have a statue to him erected in, in somewhere in D.C. and so on. Uh, but he shamelessly said, "It's the voice of God." Or take Florence Nightingale, the mother of modern nursing. A local girl used to hang out often at Waverley Abbey House because her uncle owned it, and uh, you know Boris Johnson has launched all these Nightingale hospitals named after her everyone's like Florence Nightingale hurrah hurrah but listen here's the impetus behind her Uh, she wrote in her diary shortly before her 17th birthday God spoke to me and called me to his service what form this service was to take the voice did not make clear (laughs) don't you find that's often the way God speaks really clearly and then he refuses to give you the details it's so infuriating Or take Ben Carson, the African-American neurosurgeon and former presidential candidate who lost to Donald Trump. Uh, He uh, uh, extraordinarily, I mean, the most unbelievable story of how he had this dream in which God redirected his whole life into medicine and then he became his pioneering eurosurgeon. and I mean I, I, I tell the story in the book it is a most amazing story he's totally honest about it it's there in his autobiography or take uh, Dag Hammarskjöld you know the the the, the, the day uh, the Swedish economist who won the Nobel Peace Prize and was described by JF Kennedy as the single greatest statesman of the 20th century I mean, this is not like some, you know, weak, you know, weirdo. He, he recorded in his journal the things that God used to reveal to him. Or take uh, Sojourner Truth, the great freed slave, who was an abolitionist and, and, and a feminist and fought slavery with all her might. Extraordinary woman. She's like one of the great sort of icons of of the liberal movement but what some of them don't want to know is that she got her name Sojourner Truth from God in a series of dreams that it was her faith that mobilized her to do what she did or take the English uh, poet John Milton who was blind of course and dictated to his daughter each morning whatever he had heard from God the night before. Jesus says, that the heart of our faith is listening to him. History shows that to hear the voice of God is not a mark of insanity, but of true and healthy humanity. I would go as far as saying, if you are not hearing the voice of God, there is something wrong with you. You have that capacity. You have that invitation and that ability to learn to hear the voice of God. So let's... Make the most of this incredible ability we have. So how do we do it? That's the question. How can we get better at recognizing God's voice? Well, in the book, I'm just sort of bragging in a way on you guys here, but I I, I, I just thought there is no better story in the whole Bible to illustrate this uh, message about hearing God's voice than the story that has given us our name as a church, the Emmaus Road story. And I I did an interview two days ago with someone in Hawaii who said, well, obviously you chose that just because it's the name of your church. I'm like, well, kind of, but no. So let's read the story together now. This is Luke 24. It's long, so I'm going to jump around a little bit, but we'll start reading at verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. This is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. It's exquisite. Now, that same day, so this is uh, just after Jesus' resurrection. Now, that same day, uh, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So, remember, remember they're walking, so that's going to take you two hours. So, this is commuting. Any commuters here? They they are commuters to a suburb of the capital city. Maybe this sounds familiar. They were talking with each other about everything that happened, so the the crucifixion of Jesus. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus, I love this line, it's so kind of nonchalant, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Hello. (laughs) And then listen to this. But they were kept from recognizing him. Why? I'll leave you to think about that. And then we'll jump forward. So they, Jesus asks them a bunch of questions. What are you chatting about? You imagine the smirk on his face. And going, oh, haven't you heard? he's like, oh, what things? <laughs> he's so playful. So quick to answer questions and so quick to ask them. And uh, so we'll jump down now to verse uh, 25. And Jesus said to them, after they've been sharing their insights into Jesus, anyone else here ever done that? You spend your time telling God what he ought to be saying or doing. <laughs> and he's like, oh, so fascinating. Thank you for the, thank you for the input. You know? Verse 25, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. Visualizing that? And this is pure comedy. He's risen from the grave. He has literally all the time in the world. His schedule, one might say, is wide open. And he's like, yeah, see you later. And they still don't even know it's him. It does beg the question, by the way, how many people miss Jesus because they didn't invite him in? I missed out getting into the Bible. <laughs> you know all those people are like, yeah, I think I might have had COVID actually. I'm not sure, right before it was a thing. You know, it's like all those people spent their lives. I think we might have had Jesus for coffee, but not sure. <laughs> Embarrassing, right? So Jesus makes out he's he's walking past, uh, but. They urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in, and he stayed with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Hello. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Listen to this. They recognized him. So you imagine this moment. Holy cow. He's like, wrong religion. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Hoo! It's Jesus. This is a moment, people. This is the moment of God. It's Jesus. And they, listen, <laughs> they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. You cannot tell me. He didn't go, see you later. Bing. <laughs> it's so playful, this story. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us whilst he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I bet they were. And when they, then they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven. And those with them assembled together and said, It's true. The Lord has risen. And he has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. This exquisite story explores two of the main ways in which I believe God speaks to us. Through his word and through his whisper, God's word, and God's whisper. First of all, let's think about his word. We read in verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures about himself. This is amazing, because Jesus doesn't just turn up and go, Hi, I'm Jesus. I've resurrected from the dead. It's a big deal. A whole new dispensation has begun. The calendars have flipped. You know, he feels the need to take them on a two to three hour Bible study. Hello. I mean, you may go, yeah, of course, yeah, that's the story. Listen, just think about this. If I said to you guys, you, you, you know, it's, it's one of you on the way out. I think you need to get to evening service tonight. You said, why? I said, I believe you're going to have the greatest encounter with God of your entire life if you go. I reckon most of you are going to make it. You're going to, you're going to get there. You're going to cancel something. You're going to get there. And then if you turned up and found out that it involved a two to three hour Bible study, <laughs> you, you might not be happy. Because we want yeah, we want the fireworks, I want angels, I want like levitating things, I want light like, to shake and rattle and roll, I want to yell in tongues, I want visions, you know. Ah! And Jesus turns up and just does a Bible study with them. Even after his resurrection, even after all the objective and experiential evidence of his resurrection it is still essential for Jesus to earth it all in the scriptures. For a generation that is obsessed with experience, to the extent that we start to reject objective reality, because if it feels true, it must be true. Hello? You know what I'm talking about. You've got about five things in your head right now you think, is he talking about that? Yes, I am. In an era where we reject objective fact, because if you feel it, it must be true, we need to realize that as Christians, we are founded on the objective truth of the word of God in the Bible. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I thought it was going to get really exciting talk about how to hear God, and it's just about the importance of the Bible, yes, Yes. No apologies. Get your money back at the door and go and become, I don't know, like a new ager or something instead. We are people of the book. Some of you will know that, um, as I've told this story before, but Sammy and I used to have a, an old-fashioned GPS, an old-fashioned sat-nav. And you know when you have to choose the voice? And it didn't have many voices. It basically had a guy who sounded like a military commander, left here, and, and a, frankly, very sultry woman. Straight on at the roundabout. Yeah. And I chose the woman, obviously. <laughs> well, you would. But Sammy didn't approve. She didn't like, she didn't trust this woman. <laughs> Ste- <laughs> So she, and, and then we found out that it was an amazing satnav because you could actually record your own voice onto it. Like there's about 73 commands. You had to record them. And, then, and so I said, darling, listen, you don't need to be jealous. You be the woman who steers me around the country. <laughs> and frankly, with our history, it would be healing for our relationship if you consistently got directions right. <laughs> it's not funny. That's just true. Sammy said, "I've got a better idea." And you know, we have two sons who were very little back then. They were like, say, six and seven, or something like that, five and seven. And she said, "Why don't you get the boys to do it?" So I had this lovely evening sitting on the sofa with one boy on each side of me, as they took it in turns to read instructions, like, like you know, uh, turn right here, Daddy, and uh, and one of them when they, they got to the uh, one of the more random ones is you're approaching a ferry. And, and they just spontaneously sang to I am sailing, you know. And the nicest one was, was uh, you have reached your destination. Uh, one of them just said, welcome home, Daddy, at the end of it. And it was, it was gorgeous. So we used to, like, steer all around the country by these little squeaky voices of our kids. And, 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 you know, I can't tell you the times where I would get home, park up outside, Sammy and the boys fast asleep, the whole house was dark, and a little voice would say... Welcome home, Daddy. And it it was really beautiful. And and I remember one time we were trying to navigate through Edinburgh, which is complicated. And uh, there's all these one-way systems and and all of that. We're trying to get to the station there at Waverley, if you know it, uh, Waverley Station in Edinburgh. And... um, And Danny and Hudson were in the back seat, and uh, it was Danny's voice on this particular instruction uh, told me to turn left and swing into the station. It was like a minor miracle. We'd found the station. So I looked in the rearview mirror. I said, Danny, well done. How did you know? How did you know it was left here? And this little boy widened his eyes, thought for a while. He said, I don't know how I know, Daddy. I just know. In that moment, Danny captured one of the greatest uh, philosophical conundra of all time. It's the field of philosophy called epistemology. The philosophy of how do we know what we know? How do we know what is true? If you've ever engaged a conspiracy theorist online you will very quickly find out the issue is not the issue. The issue is actually not QAnon or Flat Earth or the Bilderberg Group or anti-vax. The issue is whose truth is the true truth. That's the real issue. And it's one that the world around us is getting into all sorts of knots about right now. But for Christians, we have an answer to that question Because actually the foundation for truth for us is the word of God in scripture. For every Christian who has ever lived, the Bible is our ultimate authority. Our epistemology is anchored in this vast and ancient record of God's revelation regarding the nature and purpose of all reality. And so like the GPS in Edinburgh... The Bible provides constant guidance, wisdom, and direction through life's many twists and turns. As we read in Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And like that GPS, the voice of Scripture, which can certainly seem quite formal at the start, Increasingly becomes familiar to us and even familial to us. It speaks intimately to our hearts. Somehow it becomes more precious with every passing year. Welcome home, Daddy. You've reached your destination. When it comes to hearing God, the Bible is the language of God's heart. Nothing he says in any other way and in any other context will ever override, undermine, or contradict what he has already said in the scriptures. And so we see in this story, Jesus doesn't just turn up and say, hi, it's me. It's the big Bible study. But of course, let's be honest. And I know many of you are already thinking this. Yeah, Pete, but the Bible can be really confusing. It's quite long. Sometimes it's really boring. So how do we engage with what George Gallup called the best-selling least-read book in the Western world? Well, I've got a simple approach. You need to engage with the Bible with your heart and with your head. With your head and with your heart. First of all, with your head. It's important that we just do a little bit of work to understand it. It's amazing how many people use and abuse the Bible because they just haven't made any effort to understand it. For example, what kind of literature am I reading? Uh, you know, it, it, it's probably pretty risky if you take the Song of Solomon, which is a love poem, mainly about sex, and use it as guidance for how to start a business. You know, What kind of literature am I reading? If you read poetry and say it's got to be science... So we need to understand what we are reading. I would really encourage you to get a study Bible. I've always found that really helpful. I often just use the NIV study Bible. It's one of those ones that's got like little cheat notes at the bottom that explain different bits. I find it helpful. Uh, I'd encourage you to get the podcast from the Bible Project. Absolutely fantastic. It's just Bible Project, wherever you get your podcasts from. They're fantastic. They'll help you. Um, And, you know, just let's just engage our brains. We can help you a lot more with all of that. But let's also learn to read the Bible with our hearts. Because a lot of people know a lot of stuff about God. They have a lot of information from the Bible. They even may have an education in the Bible, but they have very little conversation and revelation from the Bible. When I graduated with a degree in theology, I knew a lot about the Bible, but I actually had to go on a journey to rediscover how to just hear God in it. Right? And so I would got good at hearing in my head, but I was bad at really receiving with my heart. That is one of the reasons why the Lectio Divina has become so precious and valuable to me, and to many, increasingly, I know many of you use the Lectio 365 app that people like Jill and Isway and I uh, and Hannah have the joy of creating. And that's now gone to, we get hundreds of thousands of, of, of users. It's absolutely amazing. But that approach is 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 a very old one of saying, I'm just going to take a few verses and I'm going to, you know, in, the, in Lectio, we, we, we read it twice through, we go back a second time, and we are, we're really learning to meditate on the Bible together, and uh, in the book, I, I give some practical tools on how to uh, you know, practice Lectio Divina. It just literally means the holy reading, reading slowly, conversationally, and with imagination. So much more. I could do a whole series of talks uh, just on that. But I I hope the book helps. I hope the, 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 um, uh, the app, the lecture app helps you and so on. But let me say one other thing about hearing the word of God. And it's this. The New Testament uses two different Greek words for the word of God. And it's confusing to us because in English, we only have it translated the same as the word of God. It it sometimes uses the word Rhema and sometimes uses the word Logos. Now, the Logos word of God is the word of God written in the Bible and it's the word of God in Christ Jesus, John 1 uh, and so on. But Rhema is uh, the spoken, now prophetic word of God. And so we just read the text and it says, Word of God. And sometimes we don't realize it's talking about the prophetic and we think it's talking just about what we perceive to be the Bible. So here's an example Matthew chapter 4 and verse uh, 4 uh, says, famously, Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? And uh, that, the, 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 the word word there is actually not logos. It is rhema. So Jesus is saying, if you want to be fed spiritually, like you feed your body physically with bread, if you want to be fed spiritually, you need the prophetic in your life. You need the now word of God. Not just learn lots about the Bible. You need the Bible to be this living and active, dynamic thing in your life. And the Apostle Paul, of course, talks a lot about this because with the coming of the spirit of Pentecost, one of the things that happened is the body of Christ began to prophesy. In the Old Testament, it was just the odd person, sometimes very odd, had the Spirit of God come upon them, they became prophets. Ezekiel, he was, a, he was an odd one. Uh, and then in the New Testament, the Spirit of God comes upon all of us. We can all be filled with the Spirit, and so we can all prophesy. And so uh, the Apostle Paul, giving instructions on how do we handle that, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, tells us you must eagerly desire to prophesy eagerly desire to prophesy. I think it's really easy to sit around thinking, well, you know, um, Bill's very good at prophesying. You know, Sally Webster's very good at prophesying. I don't do that. You know, at those moments where someone like me comes up on the stage and goes, let's just listen to the Lord. You basically go, well, it's not going to be me. But the Apostle Paul looks you in the eye and says, ah, ah, ah. He says to you, you should eagerly desire this. This isn't just a few specialists. This is for us all. Hunger for this. Seek this. Long to hear God prophetically. And one of the reasons, as Paul does explain in that whole chapter, of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, is, is, is he says that prophecy is a way in which we edify, encourage, strengthen, build up and comfort the body of Christ. So if, if we're not seeking to hear God and speak his words in that rhema way, that prophetic way, then it's a bit like saying, well, I've got this ability to encourage and build up and comfort and strengthen you, but I'm just choosing not to bother using it. And so one of the challenges I want to bring to some of us here is, can we begin to hunger to grow in the prophetic? Can we begin to think, maybe this is the year I'm going to start stepping out a little bit in that sort of uh, way? One of the uh, things that will help you most in doing that is is not just because he's here. this This is the best thing I know to recommend to you. Bill's book, That Gentle Whisper." is brilliant. It it will equip you to grow in hearing God's voice and in prophesying. And we all know that Bill doesn't just hear God's voice, but he administrates, he stewards that amazing gift so beautifully. We're so privileged to have people like Bill who who know how to move in that gift. That's for all of us. And so I'd encourage you to uh, seek that. One of the keys I often say is if you're wanting to grow in the prophetic and you think, you know that thing where you're like, is it just me or is it God? That, you know that moment. It's just apply the ABC principle. A, is it affirming? You know, because this is meant to be encouraging and edifying. And here's the thing. If God says something to you that isn't encouraging, and it might still be God. But I would just say run it through a few checks first. And if you're new to this thing, start with the easy ones, the encouraging ones. And the good thing about the encouraging ones is even if it's not God, it's God. Do you know what I mean? It's like, "Mm, I'm just sensing that God might be saying to someone he really loves them. But I don't know if it's God or not. (laughs) Just go and tell them. Even if it wasn't God, God will be there going, yeah, good word. (laughs) Is it affirming? Secondly, is it biblical? Is it in line with the broad Sway of scripture, not just you know, you can say almost anything by picking a random verse out of Leviticus or taking a bit of the Apostle Paul's teaching out of context. But is it in line with the message of the Bible? So we got to read them and see is it like Christ? Is it Christ like? Is this the kind of thing I can imagine Jesus saying or doing? And once I've done the ABC check, if it's tick, 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 I'm just like, well, what's the worst that could go wrong if I get this wrong? And sometimes the answer is quite a lot. In which case, you might want to think about a different way of doing it. But, you know, I'm commanding you to marry the preacher. You know, you might, (laughs) it's affirming, yes it is. In line with the Bible, God believes in marriage, yes it is. Is it Christ-like? Well, he wasn't married, but he's nice, so yes it is. But, you know, if you're wrong, there are serious implications. So you might just want to think about something else. But generally speaking, the answer is, there's not a lot to risk in going for it, so go for it. And, and let me give you an illustration of why I think this is so powerful. At the very first wildfires festival, we're so excited about wildfires uh, in May. Uh, it is going to be an awesome, awesome time. And uh, you know, thousands of people gathered together there at the Western Estate. We are right at, at the heart of it as a church. Uh, and uh, listen, if you've got kids, they've gone through such a difficult two years. Uh, you know hardly being at school church has been online you owe it to them get them an environment where they'll look around and see I am part of something massive thousands of other kids three days they're going to get discipled they're going to it's going to be they're going to remember it it's going to be life-changing for them and for all of us who go uh, whether or not you're into camping all the rest of it let me say this to you in those three days you will grow in your relationship with God He will speak to you and you will grow in your relationships in this quite big and growing church. So to me, whatever else you're thinking you might do in those three days, it's probably unlikely to be as significant as what I've just said. So do come if you can. But anyway, at the first wildfires festival, there was this one at the end of the first session of the first wildfires. All these people came forward to receive prayer. And I noticed this really tall guy called Jono that I'd known years ago at the front. And he was crying as he was prayed for. So I said to him after the session, are you all right? And he said, yeah, I need to tell you what's happened. He said, I haven't been to anything like this for years. No Christian stuff, no church stuff, no conferences, none of it. Because I had a bike accident, a bicycle accident. It came off my bike. I hit my head. I had a very serious brain injury. I can barely even look at a screen anymore. It's been a really dark time. And he said, but this is my first time back at anything Christian in many years. First session, I thought, I suppose I ought to go and get some prayer. He said, a complete stranger came up to me. And these are the first words. Now listen, the first words spoken over his life after years of not being in any Christian environment, him responding for prayer. These are the first words this guy says to him. As I was approaching you, I saw a guy on a bicycle and then everything went black. What does that mean? Does that mean anything to you? And of course, Jono just broke down crying. So at the start of the next session, I stood up and I said to all those in the tent, just out of interest, who is like the, uh, like the secret assassin prophet in our midst? Like Who was that? And our dear friend, one of Sammy's and my great friends, Mike Norris, who's the vicar of St. Saviour's just next door here, came forward. He said, oh, it was me. I said, Mike, you're amazing. Come on up. I said, Mike, how on earth did you do that? He said, I don't know, it's just random. I was walking towards this tall bloke, and it's not really normal. I started thinking about a bicycle, and everything went black. So I thought, maybe it's the Holy Spirit. I guess he did the ABC on it. He turned it into an affirming thing. By not saying, I believe the God's saying you're going to die in a bike crash. (laughs) (laughs) But by saying, you know, I think that's in the past, and God's got a new thing. And I said, it's amazing. I said to him, how sure were you it's God? He said, about 10%. So I turned to Jono, I said, Jono, how glad are you that Mike took that 10% risk? He said, 100%. Here's the thing. I wonder if God is challenging some of us to start taking some 10% risks again for the sake of changing the lives of others. Let me finish with one more story. I've talked a lot about God's word. I've talked about his word in the Bible the Logos of God, and I've talked about his prophetic word, the Rema, the Rhema of God. I've given you one or two little pointers, Lectio Divina, for example, using our reading with our hearts as well as our heads. I've given you that ABC model. Uh, is it affirming? Is it biblical? Is it, is it like Christ? But uh, let me draw this together as we think about God's whisper, because in this story we see this unbelievably beautiful depiction of the God who's risen from the grave and tiptoes around, then you can easily miss him. We always assume that if, if God spoke to me, I couldn't miss it. It's going to be a loud hailer. Hello, this is God. It's going to be like big boots you know it's God for crying out loud it's going to be glowing stranger and what we see is the opposite of that you can miss God right in front of you for two three hours he whispers he pretends he's got somewhere else to go he doesn't turn up going hi I'm kind of a big deal around here he's humble and gentle and I believe many of us miss God's voice because it's too normal it's thoughts that we're thinking that we don't realize are actually God's thoughts. It's just a Bible verse. It's just a little picture that comes into our head. It's a little impression. But as we seek to grow in hearing God's voice, the invitation is to become more attentive to the things he may be saying. It's weird how weird we get about God when he made everything that's normal. So you cannot relegate God to just a weird Supernatural, strange stuff, because he defines normality. So he inhabits it. Richard Rawls says he comes to you disguised as your own life. And so that we have a God here who whispers. That was Elijah's experience, right? That's what gives the title to Bill's brilliant book. So I'm going to finish with a story. Uh, Robert Tanson, I think he's in the Woking congregations. I don't think he's here today, but Robert Tanson connected me with this guy, Sean, who's a professional Tyler. And I phoned him up, we had a great chat, and he gave me permission to share this incredible story that I'm going to finish with. Sean, uh, this time two years ago, would not have been anywhere near a church. Uh, He certainly didn't read his Bible. He definitely wouldn't have known what Lectio Divina was. (laughs) He's just an ordinary guy who's a Tyler. And then one night he had a dream during the first lockdown. And the dream. in the dream, he saw uh, Jesus. He saw this man appear to him who was just emanating love, came up a staircase, walked towards him, put his hand on Sean's shoulder in the dream and simply said to him, I've got you. He said, when... The, the hand of this man uh, landed on my shoulder in the dream. He said, I experienced wave upon wave of such extraordinary love. He said, it was unlike any drug I had ever done. It just went on and on. Love, love, out of note just this dream. He said, I woke up the next morning and my pornographic addiction had just been broken. And he said, the really weird thing is I had no desire to swear anymore. I didn't even know that swearing was wrong his wife, who knew a tiny bit more about Christianity than him, said, well, we should start trying to pray. And he was trying to make a very big decision at that time. See, he has arthritis in his knees. The waiting lists for knee replacement are very, very long with COVID and everything else. And it's really difficult if you're a Tyler having to kneel down all the time, right? And someone had come along and said to him... Um, Do you want to open a tile shop with me? And he was like, do I do it? Don't I do it? Is it right? Isn't it right? You know, it's a recession. You know, is this the right time for a career move? So his wife said, we should try asking Jesus. So he said, Jesus, will you speak to me about this decision I've got to make? Do I keep tiling or do I change career? The next day, he's tiling someone's bathroom, kneeling down, no radio on when he hears a voice that says to him a word that he doesn't know is in the Bible. The word is this, Corinthians. Interesting, there are some, uh, there are some tiles called Corinthian tiles. But here's Corinthians. So he gets a pencil and writes it on the wall because he knows he's going to tile over that bit. Then he hears another word, seven. And then he hears another number, 26. So he writes Corinthians 7, 26 on the wall. And he takes a photo of it and then tiles over it. And he goes home, he shows his wife, says, what on earth is this? I heard this voice. She says, I'm pretty sure that's the Bible. So they get hold of a Bible. They look up 1 Corinthians seven twenty-six And the verse I'm about to read to you, I guarantee there is no verse in all of Scripture that could have spoken more specifically into the question. This non-Christian had just asked Jesus than this. Here's what they read because of the present crisis it is good for a man to remain as he is isn't that incredible he knew God had spoken by the way it's terrible uh sort of exegesis and he's taken completely out of context but don't worry about that the Holy Spirit clearly didn't care either I was looking at Hannah as I said that because I get in trouble for my theology otherwise Listen, we have a God who speaks because he relates, he loves, he created by speaking, he saved through the word, he comes to us and speaks through the Bible, he speaks to us in dreams and visions, he speaks to our consciences, he walks and talks with us, he says to us, the mark of discipleship is that you listen to me. The question about hearing God is not one of theology because there is no question biblically that God speaks. It's one of psychology. It's learning how we hear. Some of you will be more likely to hear God by seeing things, some by hearing things, some by thinking. Pete Burton here on the front row has just come alive in new ways by studying theology and he's a thinker and it's just Enervating to him but I talked to Sammy about it earlier she said yeah reading Calvin doesn't really do it for me she's less of a thinker more of a feeler you've all been wired differently so don't try and necessarily hear God the way others do but learn to find your own language how does God speak to you and I want to just finish by inviting some of you in a moment just to stand I want to get the band back if that's all right we, we, we just wanna, I just want to pray for a couple of people before we finish. And, and uh, I think this is an important moment. I, I don't really care that much about the book, if I'm honest. I really care that this, my Christian family, that we are people who hear the voice of God and hunger to hear the voice of God. That's the key to navigating the times we're in. That's the key to knowing who to marry. That's the key to raising your kids well. That's the key to making big life decisions. That's the key to growing in a relationship with God. My sheep listen to my voice and they obey. And so I long that we'd be people who are deeply attentive to the voice of God. And I suspect, this isn't a word of knowledge, it's just a fair guess, that some of us here, if we're honest near the start of this new year, say, do you know what? I've lost my hunger for the word of God. I'm neglecting the scriptures. I'm not reading it with my head or my heart. Or maybe you say, I'm reading it with my head. I'm diligent with it, but I don't read it with my heart. It's not a conversation anymore. It's just a dry religious duty. And it may be there are others of us here who've lost our hunger to prophesy. And the apostle Paul says, eagerly desire to prophesy. And when I put that challenge out, you thought, yeah, that's me. I'm not the guy. And so, this is particularly for some of the men here, a belief. You're like, do you know what? Other people do that stuff. And this could be the year that you begin to step out, knees knocking, with hearing God. We're stirring that up, just saying, God, I want to hear you. And not just emptying your mind and going passive when it, it comes those moments but saying God give me something, give me a picture give me a scripture, give me a word of encouragement because I want to be someone who hears your voice and I want to be someone who encourages others and change their life I want to be someone who takes a 10% risk maybe not just at church although this is the easiest place to start but even at work or with neighbours you don't have to say to them, here's the word of the Lord to you postman but you you could just pray about your postman and Maybe the Lord gives you a picture of, I don't know, him weeping. And so the next day you intercept in the door and just say, I I know it sounds weird, but are you okay? You understand, but you take the 10% risks. And once in a while you're going to get the 100% result. And so um, I'm sure this is for a number of people here. And it's certainly not for everyone because some of you are you're way ahead of me at this thing of hearing God, listening to God and all the rest of it but if like me you're on a journey with this thing and you, you sometimes lose your hunger I'm just going to give an opportunity now for those who'd like to do so to, in just a second to stand and, 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 and this is kind of one of those moments you're just putting in a marker, saying I'm making a choice I want to remember this I don't want to let this moment go I want to kind of hold myself a bit to account actually but I want to take some steps this year to grow in hunger for God's word, love of the scriptures, stepping out, taking the 10% risks in the prophetic. I've let that slide a bit and, and I just want to open myself to a new hunger. And that those who stand then, I'm going to finish by just praying a prayer over you. It's a very dangerous prayer. You shouldn't stand lightly. Because in my experience, God takes this prayer very seriously. But I'm going to invite in just a moment, God, to come and put hunger in you. Not to make you feel nice, to make you feel nasty. A hunger in you that craves his word. A hunger in you that craves dreams and visions and and, and words of knowledge and all that cool stuff. And so that's the prayer. So don't do this if you're not willing for the results. But those of you saying, yeah, I, I think this is where I'm at. I do need to really grow in this. I've lost my hunger. I want God to give me a hunger for his word and for the prophetic. Just stand wherever you are now so I can pray for you. In the balcony, brilliant. It's not everyone. No one feel pressured to stand. Some of you are in the most amazing space with this. And now if you want to just take take a second to just tell God why you're standing before I pray. I'm just going to wait for 30 seconds so you can do that. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and to fill each person standing with a hunger for your word. We hear the Lord Jesus saying, Man, woman shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every prophetic word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And so we want to say to you, Father, we are all ears. We open our hearts. Lord, we're sorry we we've got a little disinterested, a little comfortable, a little complacent. Would you stir us up? Would you cause us to fall in love again with your word, the Bible? Thank you for the Bible. Lord, we're so moved by stories like the ones we've heard about Sean the Tyler, having that dream and hearing your voice. We pray, Lord, that there would be a release of dreams and visions and supernatural encounters in our midst. We invite the word of God to move amongst us, to speak to us, knowing that your word is is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Do your work amongst us, word of God. Would you raise up prophets? Would you release dreams and visions? Would you make us a people who truly, Lord Jesus, listen to your voice and obey? Amen.